This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. NPR is doing its annual survey to better understand how listeners like you spend time with podcasts. Please help us out by completing a short anonymous survey at npr.org slash podcast survey. All one word. We would really appreciate your help to support NPR podcasts. That's npr.org slash podcast survey. It's all one word. Thanks. From NPR. It's from the top. Celebrating the power of music. In the hands of America's kids. Welcome to the program, my friend. This is pianist Peter Dugan. And the young people you're about to meet have brought a kaleidoscope of musical selections for you to enjoy. We've got a nocturne, a romance, a musical portrait of Langston Hughes, and even the floods of spring portrayed in music for piano duo. The first half of today's program was hosted by one of Chicago's great training grounds for young musicians, the Merritt School of Music. A big thank you to the Merritt School for inviting us into Gottlieb Hall on their campus. We'll be meeting some of their superb students today. And clarinetist Alex Lang returns to the program to co-host alongside of me. Now, just to remind you, Alex is the principal clarinetist of the Phoenix Symphony, but he's also recognized nationally for his ideas concerning the future of the American orchestra. He's a founding member of the Black Orchestral Network and the future of the classical music experience in general. We especially love him at From the Top because he's a huge friend to young artists as a teacher and just as the warmest and most accessible type of mentor he joined me in Chicago. Oh, Alex, it's been way too long, man. From the top has missed you. I've missed you. I'm so happy you're back to co-host, and I'm really excited to play together later on the show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the whole thing. I've missed From the Top and playing with you and looking forward to this whole experience. Yeah, we've got some nice stuff in, in the works. But we're going to give you a second first to just reacclimate to the From the Top groove before asking you to actually take out your clarinet and perform. So our first two performers just involve you and I sitting back and taking in some great mm-hmm. music. It's a piano duo performance, and these two young pianists are so, so good. Would you introduce them? Absolutely. So this is Luke McGee from LaGrange, Illinois, and Elio Gaviria from here in Chicago. You two are both 17, right? Yes. Yes. So I've really enjoyed getting to know you two and hearing you practice a bit. And uh, why don't you tell us what you're going to perform for us today? So we will be playing two pieces. The first one is called It's Lovely Here by Rachmaninoff. And the second one we'll be playing is Floods of Spring, also by Rachmaninoff. All right. Well, when you two are ready, please take it from the top.
pianists Luke McGee and Elio Gaviria, both 17 from here in Chicagoland, performed It's Lovely Here and Floods of Spring by Sergei Rachmaninoff, originally for voice and arranged for piano duo by Victor Babin. Elio is one of our Jack Kent Cook young artists. I'm Peter Dugan, here with my co-host today, Alex Lang. And Alex, that was a pretty rousing performance, was it not? <laughs> Inspiring. Yeah, indeed. Really, I mean, just so much um, color and so much texture and the way you two were communicating with each other, with your eyes, your ears, your bodies. It was just really incredible. Thank you. Thank you. So I was intrigued to learn that one of the main things that you both really appreciate about each other are your differences. Um, yeah, so me and Luke... Or tend to be very different people. Um, for instance, I lean more towards early Baroque and classical music, and I specifically really like Mozart, but Luke um, like really enjoys Stravinsky and Rachmaninoff. He really likes Led Zeppelin. Mm. I will never be a Led Zeppelin fan. But um, our differences even expand to outside of music, even things such as what lemonade do you prefer? <laughs> well, well, for context, there are like, 10 different flavors of ice. It's, it's, it's a drink called ice. Mm-hmm. And I will never understand why you like the kiwi watermelon flavor. <laughs> I actually don't. Oh, all right, sorry. What's the, what's the flavor you don't like? <laughs> I don't like the um, black raspberry. I will never understand how you don't like the black raspberry flavor. <laughs> Well, obviously the two of you, there's a bit of an odd couple thing going on here, which I adore, but you also do share some similarities, the two of you. Like, you're both into expanding the universe of the classical music community. Like, Luke, you're into making people, especially your peers, curious about classical music, right? Like, curious is, I think, the word that you use. Can you talk about that? So I think that even from people who play classical music, they have one mindset when they approach it. And I think that's a mistake. Like you can have a very like very noble and very like refined kind of attitude towards Baroque music or early classical music. Uh-huh. And then you can unleash your inner beast when you play um when you play some Stravinsky. And I uh-huh. think uh-huh. I think learning to appreciate different styles can expand from that one mindset of classical music. Yeah, you want to be an ambassador to your peers to be like, hey, classical music isn't a place that's all about white glove service. You can really rock out here in the classical world. Yeah, I don't think it's all second movements of Mozart sonatas. I think that <laughs> I think that there needs to be a little bit of Shostakovich 11 in mm, some instances. Everyone needs a little bit of that. So, Elio, I've read that you've done some work to make classical music more inclusive, particularly by addressing some of its performance traditions and practice. What's the story there? Yeah, so as a transgender pianist, I've definitely felt the struggle of having to follow a dress code that I didn't exactly feel comfortable in, Mm -hmm. um, especially as a young teen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I tried to like talk to my teachers about it, nothing ever really happened until I took a class, a music history class at Merritt that focused more on 21st century issues. Mm-hmm. And I had to make a presentation addressing these sort of policies that we've ended up following for so many years. And I ended up changing the dress code at my music school, um, which so many of my other queer friends at the school have been very grateful for. And I'm very honored to have been the one to change it because I know younger me would be very proud of me. Mm. Fantastic. 
Yeah, I I just want to thank uh, you know both of you for bringing this idea of expansion into the into the classical music world and this openness. Yeah, congratulations! Wonderful playing. It was such a joy to listen to. Thank you. Thank you. Pianists Elio Gaviria and Luke McGee, both seventeen from Chicago Land. For the last fifteen years, from the top in the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, have awarded over three million dollars in scholarships to talented young musicians who have financial need. We still have more to give. Go to fromthetop.org to learn more. Peter. Thanks, Joanne. We've got a trio for flute, piano, and clarinet up next. Our flutist is our next young performer. She's 17-year-old Anika Veda from Palatine, Illinois. My co-host, clarinetist Alex Lang, has taken out his clarinet to join her, and I'll be at the piano. You'll hear two movements of Valerie Coleman's Portraits of Langston, Movement 1, titled Helen Keller, and Movement 6, Harlem's Summer Night.
That was the first and sixth movements of Valerie Coleman's Portraits of Langston, performed by 17-year-old flutist Anika Veda, along with me, Peter Dugan, at the piano, and my co-host, Alex Lang, on clarinet. What a joy to be able to take part in that music with you two, and that first movement, just to sit back and savor in the combination of your collective sound. Yeah, that was really a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the way we were matching our sounds together and coordinating all of the sort of little filigree moments there. It was a thrill. Yeah, for sure. There was so much that went into both of these movements, and even though it's just a couple of minutes long, it was just really nice to explore and savor all of the details with both of you. Yeah. So I've learned you're part of a very cool program here in Chicago called the Chicago Musical Pathways Initiative. And actually, you credit that program for really opening up a musical future for you. So could you first just tell us what the program is and then maybe a little bit about the impact it's had on you? So the Chicago Musical Pathways Initiative aims to help um, students from underrepresented backgrounds in classical music uh, to become professional musicians. And so uh, for young students of color like me, CMPI has really opened my eyes to what a career in music could be like. And coming from family who aren't classical musicians, um, I learned so much um, just through the guidance and support that CMPI has provided for me throughout my couple of years in the program. I love hearing that. I'm guessing there's been tons of great experiences for you as a CMPI fellow, but is there one that really stands out for you that's just hugely memorable? So one moment that really stands out to me was playing um, at the National Pathways Summit with the Chicago Youth and Music Festival. And it was really great because one, I got to play in an orchestra comprised almost entirely of students of color. And that was an experience I had never had before. It was just really nice to connect with all of these students from all over the country about our shared experiences and our shared passion for music. And like, I was really reaffirmed that this is what I want to do. Yeah, I can see why that would stand out for you, for mm -hmm. sure. You know, I often think about Certainly the sounds have power and, and meaning, but there's also something else happening inside a concert hall, right? This idea of cultural affirmation, people mm -hmm. like me do this, and that adds to the experience. That's part of the experience. You can't separate from it. I feel like that's what you're speaking to, right? For sure. I think it builds a sense of community when you have a lot of people who understand each other and just a diverse group of people. Like It would be amazing if you know orchestras today looked like the population of the cities that they represent. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, there's no doubt that Anika, you know, you are a young person with incredible vision, incredible passion. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today, for performing with Alex and with me. Thank you, Anika. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Anika Veda, 17 years old, from Palatine, Illinois. If you subscribe to From the Top's podcast, you can download whatever episodes you want and listen on demand. They're available at fromthetop.org. Peter Dugan here, along with my co-host today, clarinetist Alex Lang. And our next young performer, like Anika, has also been a member of the Chicago Musical Pathways Initiative. He's joined us at the mics right now. Hey, Alex, I'm going to head over to the piano to get ready, so will you please do the honors? Of course. This is 17-year-old oboist Zachary Allen from Skokie, Illinois. Welcome to the program, Zach. And congratulations. I hear you're receiving one of our Jack Kent Cooke Young Artist Awards. Thank you. Thank you. So you and Peter are going to play the final movement of a contemporary piece called The Door of No Return by Althea Talbert Howard. Can you tell me a little bit about this work? Yes. So the name of the piece is inspired by The Door of No Return, which is a site in Ghana, which was the last place where enslaved Africans passed through 
um, on their way to be boarded onto the slave ships to go to the New World. And recently, in 2019, Ghana hosted a year-long event called the Year of Return, where they invited members of the African diaspora to return to Ghana to celebrate our successes and survival. And the ending of this piece celebrates the legacy of late Congressman John Lewis and his contributions to the American Civil Rights Movement, as well as his visit to the Door of No Return in 2019. Wow, so much meaning packed into this piece. Let's hear it. Thank you. 
Zachary Allen, 17 years old from Skokie, Illinois, performed the final movement of Althea Talbot Howard's The Door of No Return. This is Peter Dugan here with my co-host, Alex Lang. And Alex, I mean, you're a wind player yourself. What did you think of this young man's performance? I mean, it's just incredible. It's so inspiring, so poised, so yeah. much color, so many little accents. And you just look like you were having so much joy in uh, playing it. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. So let's talk a little bit about your history as far as music goes. And to a great extent, your passion for music hinged on switching instruments. Yes, I actually used to play, well, I started on viola. That lasted like two weeks. <laughs> and then I switched to cello and I played cello from fourth grade up until seventh grade before I ended up switching to oboe. Mm. What was it about the oboe or that time in your life that made that relationship work so well? Well, at the time, I was still really passionate about music, but I just was losing interest in cello. Mm. And so my mom sent me to Interlochen Arts Camp when I was in sixth grade. And while I was there, I was walking past the practice cabins and I heard someone playing the oboe solo from Scheherazade. Mm. And as soon as I heard that, I, had, I just had to figure out what that instrument was and what that sound was. And I remember spending like hours in the Interlochen library, just like looking at books about the oboe or... Um, just watching videos on the computer. Mm. And so when I came back, I begged my mom to let me switch instruments. And so she rented me an oboe for my 13th birthday. Oh, wow. So you started studying the oboe before you got an oboe. Yes. Incredible. Hmm. Well, it shows. One of the things that I read about your switch to the oboe was that you felt like you wanted to really get it right, this feeling of like there were some habits in your practice as you approached the cello that you said, okay, I'm starting from scratch now with a new instrument. It's like a do-over in terms of how you approach... Am I getting that right in terms yes. of how you approach the instrument? Would you talk about that process? So when I played cello, I took lessons, but I didn't take it extremely seriously. Like, I would play for fun, but I wasn't diligent with practicing or anything. And especially as I started to uh, learn some of the more advanced repertoire, I was really struggling with that. And so when I switched to oboe, I figured that if I just did everything the right way from the beginning, I wouldn't have those problems later on down the line. And I remember one of the hardest things for me with cello was learning how to do vibrato. And so the first thing I did on oboe was teach myself how to do vibrato. So that would just be out of the way. <laughs> and then I kind of tried to like rush things a little too much. And so at one of my first CMPI juries, the program director, Adrian Thompson, she was telling me just to like slow down and take things at a regular pace and not try to skip steps. Right, right, right. Zach, I mentioned earlier before you performed that you're a fellow of the Chicago Musical Pathways Initiative. Didn't you have another huge opportunity at the time that you actually passed up to become part of Chicago Musical Pathways, CMPI? Y yes. Um, in eighth grade, I was in a scholarship program that would have provided me with full tuition to a private boarding high school. Wow. And around the time when I was finishing up that process, I saw a flyer for an event that was called How Gen Z Can Change the Faces of Classical Music. Hmm. And I came downtown to see that event. It was late on a school night, but I just really wanted to go. And I just really wanted to be a part of that program. And so I told my mom that I wanted to invest all of my time into doing that instead of going through with the boarding high school program because that wasn't really something I was that passionate about and I wow. wanted the opportunity to take music more seriously and I'm really glad that I did. Mm. 
Wow. That's the, the second time in your story where you have like started something before it started. Like you're studying the oboe before you got your oboe. You commit to CMPI before it's even a thing yet. I mean, you really just have a vision, it seems like. You yeah, know? And, and you're someone who, who is able to make a tough choice sometimes. Yeah. Clearly, you've just been flourishing there at CMPI. And, you know, they're lucky to have you. So, Thank you. Uh, and we're lucky to have you, too. Thanks so much for being with us today, Zach. Thank you for having me. Zachary Allen, 17 years old, from Skokie, Illinois. Nine out of ten young musicians recommend watching Daily Joy videos every day to significantly improve the quality of one's life. These Daily Joy videos feature beautiful music performances by young artists, and you can sign up for the fun at fromthetop.org. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism, offering visitors information about the arts, culture, and history of Boston. The journey begins at visitma.com. From the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need, jkcf.org. And from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age. From NPR, it's From the Top, celebrating the power of music in the hands of America's kids. Coming up, a beautiful and intimate performance of Chopin's Nocturne in F-sharp major by a 17-year-old pianist from Potomac, Maryland. Special thanks this week to the Merritt School of Music in Chicago for hosting our in-person Chicago recordings this week. From the Top's host, pianist Peter Dugan, is sponsored by Susan and Gerald Slavitt. Thanks, Joanne. My co-host today, Alex Lang, will be returning to perform at the end of the show. But in the meantime, I want to introduce you to the outstanding 17-year-old violinist, Emma Servadio. Emma's from Jersey City, New Jersey, and she and I met at Octavan Audio, a sound studio just north of the Bronx. We collaborated there to perform the first and second of Clara Schumann's three romances for violin and piano.
17-year-old violinist Emma Servadio from Jersey City, New Jersey, performed the first and second of Clara Schumann's three romances for violin and piano. I had the distinct pleasure of joining her at the piano. What a beautiful performance that was. I love your sensitivity that you bring to these pieces and that kind of old-school soul, if you will. It's, like, really special. Thank you so much. That's so kind. You are a wonderful collaborator because I can feel how present you are, how conscious you are of what's going on in the piano part, and and how you listen to the way the roles fit together. And that theme of two parts coming together as one emerges in the way that you think about your violin. Like, you say that you and your violin are a collective voice. How did you come to understand that concept, collective voice, and what exactly do you mean by it? Um, so I've been very fortunate to have played um, many many violins as I sort of went on my violin search, and mm-hmm. I very quickly realized that with most instruments, if, if you try to tell it what to do, it usually doesn't respond super well. It's, right. It became easier for me to listen to what it had to say and what its character was and um, and then see how I could add to that or complement that or bring out its natural beauty rather than saying, I want it to be dark when it really is a very bright instrument. Right. Um, so with some instruments, um, especially I've, w- one of the things that I loved about mine when I found it um, was that it has its own voice. I like when the instrument has its own character that you can... Almost as if you're playing with someone else, like mm-hmm. it's, uh, like there's a soul in the instrument that you're that you're playing with and creating vo- a voice out of, rather than kind of a clean slate where you just be your own ideas. It's just so inspiring when there are little mm. nooks and crannies for you to find in the instrument. I want to take a minute to talk about what you're doing right now. You're in the midst of taking a gap year. You're taking a full year away from structured academics between high school and college. How has it been for you? And now that you're about eight months into it, have you learned stuff either personally or musically during this time? Um, Yeah, so I made the decision to take a gap year um, when COVID was really raging. And I just decided that um, why not let the dust settle? Why not get accustomed and learn from my new instrument? And of course, just spend more time with um, two teachers that I absolutely love. Um, And aside from that, just being able to sleep like a normal human being um, and go to bed at a normal time and wake up at a normal time and, you know, enjoy sunsets and and cook, which I absolutely love, and read a little bit. um, And then go to the instrument and have like a a fresh um, and healthy perspective every morning. Um, Of course, there are still many late nights of practicing and, you know, doing conservatory applications. Um, It's not like, you know, I've been on vacation for a year, but I've absolutely had a much um, more healthy relationship with with working hard and and, um, just kind of having enough energy, basically, to see things in a new light every day. Right. I mean, we at From the Top are pretty serious advocates for the complete musician mm-hmm. and and the value of of having that full life and like you said if you when you come to the violin you're well rested you've seen a nice sunset <laughs> you've cooked a delicious healthy meal like that's going to ultimately you know make you a, a a better artist or or an artist who's more equipped to express herself you know so i'm i'm, I'm for that <laughs> emma uh thank you so much for spending some time with us today and for performing that schumann together that was so beautiful Thank you so much. It's an opportunity that I will really cherish.
Emma Servadillo, 17 years old from Jersey City, New Jersey. The young performers on our show are so impressive, sometimes you've just got to see it to believe it. And that's pretty easy to do, actually. Just go to fromthetop.org and check out all the fun video we put out every week. Not only do we have photos and video of our young players making radio with us, we've got our Daily Joy video series, virtual concerts, raucous pop music covers, and more. That's at fromthetop.org. This is Peter Dugan, and we're going to continue to keep things in a romantic vein, musically speaking, with the performance of The Nocturne in F-sharp major, opus 15, number 2, by Frederick Chopin. Our young pianist is Sun Duong. Sun is 17 years old, and he's from Potomac, Maryland.
pianist Sun Duong, 17 years old, from Potomac, Maryland, performed the Nocturne in F-sharp major, opus 15, number 2, by Frederick Chopin. Uh, Sun, that was just magical, the way you make it sparkle. I could see the starry sky. Uh, Thank you for that gorgeous performance. You're very welcome. (laughs) Sun, we're going to navigate your interview now using music clips to prompt you to share a little bit about who you are. And each of these clips relates to your life in a pretty meaningful way. Here's the first one. Son, what are we listening to right now? What we're hearing now is a Vietnamese lullaby. Um, it's very old. It's sort of a folk uh, tradition. It's named the Stork Song. And the singer who you're hearing right now is Ang Tha. And it relates to me because... It was a song that my grandmother used to sing to me. Uh, I was born in Vietnam, and you know she raised me up until I came to the U.S., which is around two or three. And you know it was my first introduction to music, and it did play a big, a big role in uh, my musical understanding right now and how I like feel music. Yeah, it has that really natural lyricism to it. It's so organic. It's so from the heart. Okay, so brace yourself now for a completely different musical vibe, but I know this also relates to your life. Here it is. That's the Mormon Tabernacle Choir singing, well, it's obvious what they're singing, but it's not this performance that relates to you specifically, more the piece and the whole notion of a choir. Can you explain? So when I was around seven, eight, or nine, uh, somewhere around that, uh, I moved to a really rural part of upstate New York. And I was uh, one of the only Asian kids, uh, maybe the only Asian kid in my school. Mm. And, you know, I felt very, very left out because um, I was totally from a different uh, background than most of the kids there. Uh, my parents didn't really know how to speak English well. Mm. And I remember going uh, to the teacher-parent conferences, and I would always, you know, like, uh, worry that they, they, they would not understand um, the, the English, the, what they said, and oh, all the man. kids would make fun of them. Yeah. Um, but that was not the case, because uh, the music teacher, she invited me to um, perform with a chorus, uh, our school chorus, during the end-of-the-year Christmas play. Mm. And it was really an opportunity for me to uh, sort of build uh, friendships with kids uh, in my school. And after that, I, I really like enjoyed going to school every day and talking to others during lunch and yeah, things like that. Such a great story. And I love that in your case, you were able to take your piano playing and let that lead to a social environment. Okay, one more track for you. What does this track mean to you? Okay, I recognize this one. That's the Chopin Barcarolle, of course. Nice performance of it, too. Talk about this selection. Yes, so this is Vietnamese pianist, Dang Tai San. I remember when I first attended my music festival uh, when I was 12, and I had the opportunity to study with uh, very good teachers, but one in particular uh, was uh, Mr. Dang Tai San. Uh, He won the Chopin competition in um, 1980. And... The piece he played uh, was actually this piece, the uh, Chopin Barcarolle, and 
I remember listening it, to it. The way he expressed uh, the piece, uh, it just really struck me. And, you know, a little backstory is um, Mr. Uh, Sun, Professor Sun, he actually is also Vietnamese. Um, and I felt a, a little connection because, you know, my, I, I was raised in Vietnam by my grandmother. And, and you know, Mr. Professor Sun, he lived in Vietnam during the war and he uh, had to move to the mountains uh, and uh, he only had an upright piano uh, to practice on in like, uh, you know, a small cave. And so I really felt a connection to like, uh, his story and the way he played it. And you know, ever since I heard the Barcaro back then, I, I've, like, it's always been my favorite piece. Well, Dong Tai Sun is incredibly inspiring, but so are you, my friend. Your Chopin today was absolutely gorgeous. Thank you so much, Sun, for being here with us. Thank you very much. Sun Duong, 17 years old, from Potomac, Maryland. This is Peter Dugan, and now clarinetist Alex Lang and I have our own musical offering to take us out of the program today. If you're just joining us, Alex is the principal clarinetist of the Phoenix Symphony, and he's returned to From the Top today as one of our recurring co-hosts. Alex, thank you so much for the ideas and, and the music that you've contributed to our show today and just for being here for our young musicians. Oh, well, thanks. It's always a pleasure. I love being here. You know, as we were putting this episode together, you proposed a musical idea, a musical actually challenge, if you will, <laughs> for me that I found kind of thrilling and I've been really excited about this. Can you let everyone know what we're going to play exactly? Or perhaps I should say inexactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to be playing uh, a realization of the second movement of Weber's first clarinet concerto. I was lucky enough this year to get the opportunity to play that with my orchestra. And I created sort of a side project alongside that to capture and maybe share out some of the learning and experimentation I was doing with that. And so I reached out to you when we had this, I knew this was coming up and asked right. you if you'd like to join in. And you said, yes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I recorded the slow movement at home in my living room as a voice memo and yep. sent it to you and uh, you'd never heard the the right the vapor before right? no i mean you sent me just yourself playing the solo part there mm -hmm. was no context of what the orchestra part should sound like and i mm -hmm. actually don't know the piece so as you asked me to do I, I built out my own arrangement my own texture and chords and everything and that's what we're going to play now that's right but before we jump into that i want to thank all the young musicians that we've met on today's show not only for sharing their music with us but also for sharing their humanity and to you listening in the car or at the office or while folding the laundry Thank you so much for spending this time with us. And now, Alex, let's reinvent some Weber. Let's do it.
From the Top is produced by Tim Banker and music director Megan Swan. Sound design and editing by John Escobar. Our production manager is Matt Dykman. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. I'm Joanne Robinson. Special thanks this week to Charles Grody and Kurt Gildow at the Merritt School of Music in Chicago. Additional engineering assistance by Nicholas Wenzel at Valhalla Media in Chicago, by Edwin Hewitt at Octavon Audio in Mount Vernon, New York, and by Doug Ross at Turtle Studios in Philadelphia. From the Top is an independent nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear in our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Support for NPR comes from this station and from Senior Helpers, providing families with personalized in-home care for seniors and those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, and Parkinson's, committed to helping loved ones remain safe and independent at home, at SeniorHelpers.com. And from the Doris Duke Charitable Foundation, which aims to support the well-being of people and the planet for a more creative, equitable, and sustainable future. And from listeners like you who donate to this NPR station. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at FromTheTop.org. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. Drake and Kendrick Lamar have been lobbing some serious accusations at each other. You've probably heard the diss tracks and wondered, what's just a low blow and what's actually criminal? I'm Brittany Luce, host of It's Been a Minute from NPR, and I'm getting into what's art and what's worthy of criminal investigation and who those accusations hurt the most on It's Been a Minute from NPR. The Bullseye podcast is, according to one journalist, the, quote, kind of show people listen to in a more perfect world. So make your world more perfect. Every week, Bullseye puts the pop in culture, interviewing brilliant authors, musicians, actors, and novelists to keep you on your pop culture target. Listen to the Bullseye podcast, only from NPR and Maximum Fun.